You are listening to Press Church Podcast. Please enjoy this week's message. The name of my sermon today is the Swiss Army Knife. The Swiss Army Knife. And it's interesting that I have this knife that I brought here today to church that I had to go and find, and I never have it on me. I have it hidden somewhere in my closet. And when I got here, we needed a screwdriver to uh, change out a battery in Tina's base, and it just so happens that this screwdriver fit her base. And so, one, I just found it fitting that I never bring this knife, use this knife, or pull this knife out, and the day I decide to use it and preach about it, we actually get to use it. God is good and has a sense of humor. You see this knife right here, I bought it when I was about 10 years old. I don't know if they've ever, they have them over here, but I bought it from a service merchandise, I believe. I could be wrong. Hopefully I'm not lying from the pulpit, but I think I bought it from a service merchandise. My parents will correct me. They're watching it. First knife I ever bought, multi-tool. It's a Boy Scout Swiss Army knife, and I only had it for, I don't know, probably a couple of hours. There was a, a small um, mishap that I did with the knife where I, I gouged my name into my mom's furniture and never saw the knife again. Um, I lost the knife and I almost lost my life that day as well. Um, my mother th- thoroughly applied the scriptures of using the rod upon me. And when I finally moved out of the house and I was leaving to go to Bible school and I was 20-something years old, My mother gave me my knife back. I was disciplined and punished from it for probably about 12 years. But it's a multi-tool knife. It's got all kind of things. It's got a knife on it. It's it's got a screwdriver that we know works. And we've got a toothpick that who knows how old or clean that is. We've got tweezers. We've got all these different tools that this knife can do to help us. I want to read a passage today and talk to you about the Swiss Army knife of the Word of God and how we have the Word of God and it's got all these tools that we can apply and use to our lives to help us in our life's journey. In Hebrews chapter 4 verse 12, it says, for the Word of God is living and powerful. We talked about this scripture last week and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the division of soul and spirit and of joints and marrow, and it is a discerner of the thoughts and the intents of the heart. Did you know that the Bible is a mind reader? The Bible is a heart reader. You can read in the scriptures and it'll show you really quickly what you believe or don't believe. I've done it myself. How many times have we opened the book to read the Bible and we've read a scripture and thought, that's not real. That's not true. How's that supposed to work? And instantly it shows my intent and the desires of my heart and my thought process. And when it says love your neighbor, it says love your spouse even as Christ has loved the church and I think, well, Jesus died for his church. He died for his spouse. Am I doing all that I could do to take care of 
my spouse, on how to raise your children, how to love your enemies, how to give, how to believe. And instantly, it can show you your thoughts and the intents of your heart. Have you ever read the Bible mad before? Have you ever got mad reading the Bible? I have. I've read something before and thought, why isn't this happening in my life? Or I go to the Bible to try and make sure that my, my opinion fits into the Word. And then the Bible redirects me to what the truth really is. A knife is sharper than a two-edged sword. It can split away the things in my life, things that have been held on to me, that I've let hold on to me for years, addictions and struggles and insecurities. In just one word from the Scriptures, that knife can slice away something that I've been holding on to for years. The Swiss Army knife of the Word, the the scripture that I want to talk about today is Psalms 119, 97 through 104, deep in the heart, like the very middle of the scriptures is Psalms 119, the longest chapter in the Bible, and we're going to dive deep into Psalms 119. I'll read through it, and then we'll break it apart. 97 through 104, this, it says, Oh, how I love your law. It is my meditation all day. Verse 98, you through your commandments make me wiser than my enemies, for they are ever with me. I have more understanding than all my teachers, for your testimonies are my meditations. Verse 100, I understand more than the ancients because I keep your precepts. I have restrained my feet from every evil way that I might keep your word. 102, I have not departed from your judgments, for you yourself have taught me. How sweet are your words to my taste, sweeter than honey to my mouth. Verse 104, through your precepts I get understanding, therefore I hate every false way. And then the offering scripture that we came from was verse 105. Your word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. Let's look at the multi-tool, the multi-Swiss Army knife of the Word, and see the different tools, at least in this passage of Scripture. There are more that are out there, but we'll just dissect these today. The first tool there is, is the love tool, verse 97. Oh, how I love your law. It is my meditation all the day. It is my meditation all the day. And here in the near future, you should take time every once in a while in your life and stop and think about what you're thinking about and realize how crazy a majority of the things you're thinking about truly are. Because I don't know about you, but for me, my brain is always going. It's always moving. It's always got thoughts happening. It's always planning and preparing, whether it's church, whether it's family, whether it's work whether it's kids, whether it's finances, my brain is always going. It's moving and moving and moving, and I wish sometimes that I could shut it down. I pray for peace a lot. <laughs> pray for sleep a lot. And I've seen vast improvement in that because I've stood on the Word. But it says that our meditation should be all day upon His law, upon His Word. And we let our brains sometimes just go, and when we let our meditation happen and we think about, well, 
There's whispers of layoffs at the job. There's whispers of this happening. There's whispers of that happening in the country and this going here and going there. And we let our mind just wander. And five, ten minutes later, we're anxious, we're nervous, we're sick. And we ruin the rest of our day because we've meditated on something in the negative persuasion. But what if we meditated upon his word and his law? John chapter 14, verse 15, Jesus makes it really simple when he's speaking. He says, if you love me, keep my commandments. That word in the Greek also means observe. Observe my commandments. If you love me, then you'll keep and observe my commandments. But my question is, how can I observe or keep his commandments if I don't even know them? How can I, how can I show my love? How can I gain understanding if I don't understand what his commandments are? We have to know what's in the book to therefore observe them and to keep them, to stand on them. If you need something in your life, then we need to stand on the Word of God. But how can we stand on it if we don't know it, if we don't read it, if we don't study it? It says in the Scriptures that a wise man builds his foundation upon the rock. We know that chief cornerstone is Jesus. A not-so-smart man builds his house on the sand. And when the rain and the waters of life comes... It blows it all down. But when we have a foundation of the word, there's nothing that can shake it. There's nothing that can change it. In Deuteronomy chapter 6, we're going to talk about the word today. I don't want to talk much. I want you to hear the word today. Deuteronomy chapter 6, verses 6 through 9 Moses is writing this, and he says, And these words which I command you today shall be in your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your children, and shall talk of them when you sit in your house, when you walk by the way, when you lie down, when you rise up. You shall bind them as a sign on your hand, and they shall be as forefronts between your eyes. You shall write them on the doorpost of your house and on your gates. That we make it a priority to keep the word in front of us, to keep the word around us, to keep the word with us. How can we use the word as a love tool? If you want to fall more in love with God, then read his love letters to you. If you want to fall more in love with God, if you want to have a better relationship with God, if you want to understand him more, if you want to know your father more, then use your love tool, which is the word. You see, whenever you start hearing what God says about you, what God thinks about you, then who cares what the world says about you? Who cares what anybody else says about you? I won't get in a funk. I won't get in a bad mood because so-and-so said something about me. So-and-so tweeted about me. This or that was said about me. I heard this rumor. Well, Jeremiah's potentially the worst pastor in all of South Carolina. Oh, okay. Well, that's cool. Who said that? When they say that? How'd they say that? Is there more than one person saying that? It's your love of the law that I meditate on it day and night. Who cares what people say about me? 
I know what God says about me. I know what God's called me to do. I, call, I know what God has called me to say. Because I know what he said about me. I know what he believes about me. Who cares what anybody else says? Because my father thinks highly of me. Your father thinks highly of you. Here are a couple things that God says about you. God calls you family. That's found in Hebrews chapter 2, verse 11. It says that he's not ashamed to call you family. In 1 John chapter 3, verse 1, God calls us his children. In 1 Corinthians 5, 12 through 20, God calls us a new creation, and he calls us righteous. doesn't matter if my family on earth is good or bad. My father calls me part of his family. And I'm not just the black sheep of the family. I'm not just the runt of the litter. I'm not just the one that barely got in the door. The cousin, the crazy cousin or uncle that's in the corner laughing. No, in 1 John, he calls me his children. He calls me his son. He calls you his daughter. He doesn't call me a sinner anymore. He calls me righteous. He doesn't call me a Gentile anymore. He calls me his son and daughter. He calls me a new creation. To use the word as a love tool in your life and to find out what he said about you will make you fall more and more in love with him. Another tool that we can use with the word is a wisdom tool. Verse 98 says, You, through your commandments, make me wiser than my enemies, for they are ever with me. You make me wiser than my enemies. We believe the writer of this passage is David. Think about it. King David. At that time, David was originally a shepherd watching sheep, hanging out in the field, sent away by his father and his brothers. And then the prophet shows up and anoints him as king. Oil is poured upon him. In my mind, if you allow me to elaborate, I think angels are singing and all of his brothers are taken aback, can't believe it. It's this amazing spiritual moment that he has. And then the next step that he has is, hey, go play harp for the king. But I'm king. I'm, I'm the one in charge. Then he finds himself in a cave, hiding. But here it says, and what he writes, is that the the word of the Lord makes him wiser than his enemies. Who were his enemies? His enemies at the time were the Philistines, the warriors of the world. Remember they have a little old soldier called Goliath, a giant a warrior, trained since birth. And all David needed was a word from the Lord. Who is this uncircumcised Philistine that's going to make fun of my God? If he's protected me time and time again, then he'll protect me against him. How many times do you read in the scriptures that King David not only went to war against the Philistines, but utterly destroyed them and embarrassed them? How did this little shepherd boy get that much wisdom to go and destroy continually one of the biggest 
fiercest armies in the world, he understood that a word from God was his wisdom tool. Look at Psalms 144, verse 1. Blessed be the Lord my rock, who trains my hand for war and my fingers for battle. Oh, that's how he won. That's how he became wiser. God taught him how to fight. Look at Psalms 18, verse 34. And he teaches my hand to make war so that my army, my arms, can bend a bow of bronze. And now God is instructing us in Ephesians chapter 6, verse 13. He's teaching us on how to go to war. He's teaching us on how to be wiser than our enemies. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God, that you may be able to withstand in the evil day, having done all to stand. Verse 14 begins with stand, therefore. And then talks about putting on the full armor of God. Which one of those pieces of armor is the word of God? The sword of the Spirit. And if you want to become wiser than your enemies, your natural enemies, if you have them, or your spiritual enemies, that dumb devil... Get in the book and get a word from God. Find a scripture to stand on. Greater is he that is in me than anything that can come against me in the world. God is on my side. Therefore, I will not fear. What can any man do to me? It says here, through your commandments, he makes you wiser than the enemies. Having the word of God in your life will give you wisdom. Some scriptures, God has already provided the victory for you. That's found in 1 Corinthians 15, 57. God has already provided a way out of every temptation. That's 1 Corinthians 10, verses 12 through 13. God has already caused you to triumph in all things because you are in Christ. That's 2 Corinthians 2, 14. In Christ, you already have overcome the accuser of the brethren by the blood of the Lamb and the word of your testimony. Revelations chapter 12, 10 through 11. Use your wisdom tool of the word to help you overcome the enemy. Another tool on our Swiss army knife of the word is the understanding tool. Verse 99 and 100. I have more understanding than all my teachers, for your testimonies are in my meditation. Verse 100. I understand more than the ancients because I have kept your precepts. That this says that by us studying the Word, we can know more than our current day teachers. That I am just a man, just like you. That God has called me to ministry, and I said yes to it, but I still read my Bible just like you read it. I did not, when I said yes to ministry, and I graduated from Bible school, I did not get a special Bible from heaven that says, this is only for pastors, don't share it with anybody else. What the people in the congregation are reading, it's nothing compared to what you're going to get. I got the same Bible as you. I read the same scriptures as you. I'm standing on the same words that you're reading and seeing the manifestation of it. Not because I now have pastor in front of my name or I have pieces of paper that say I passed theology school. No, you can read the Bible and you can have understanding just like your teachers, just like all the other pastors in the past that you have experienced. That pastor, that 
teacher that was in Sunday school as a kid, the pastor you had in high school, the youth pastor you had, the young adults pastor, pastors from other churches, the spiritual people, whoever it is, that if I said, who's the most spiritual person that you've ever met, whoever that person is that just popped in your head, you can study the Word and be more spiritual than them. You can have more revelation than them. You can understand the Scriptures better than them. It says here in verse 100 that you can understand it better than the ancients. The people before us, the men and women who have studied and fought the great fight of faith that we read in the Bible that have helped us throughout building the church, that God can speak a word to you that can change your life, that can change your right now moment, that can give you understanding 2 Timothy chapter 3, 14 through 17. This is the Apostle Paul speaking and writing a letter to his son in the faith. It's his last letter that he writes. And him being a teacher is passing on everything that he can to his son. Trying to get everything that he can out to him to help him prepare for the future. To keep the church going. And he says in verse 14, But you must continue in the things which you have learned and been assured of knowing from who you have learned them. Verse 15, And that from childhood you have known the Holy Scriptures, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith which is in Christ Jesus. Verse 16, All Scripture, all Scripture, not any little part, maybe half of it, not the three-fourths of it, not 98, 99.99999 repeating Scripture. All Scripture is given by inspiration of God. Everything that's in that book has been inspired by God. If it's in there, that means God put it there for a reason for us to learn and grow from and is profitable. It helps us understand our doctrine, helps us understand for reproof, for correction, and for instructions in righteousness. I don't know about you, but I need some instruction in righteousness. That the man or woman of God, verse 17, may be complete, thoroughly equipped for every good work. That the Word of God will give you understanding, past, present, and future in your life. The Word of God can bring correction and bring life understanding of His message and His Word and His plan for you by simply reading it. In the earlier chapter of 2 Timothy, 2 Timothy chapter 2, I feel like Paul just wraps it all up for his son. He says, consider, 2 Timothy chapter 2 verse 7, he says, consider what I say and may the Lord give you understanding in all things. In all things. And whatever things are going on in your life and you need understanding, something as simple as trying to understand how to fix this, how to fix that. I need understanding on how to pastor a church. I need understanding on how to raise my children. I need understanding on how to raise my son. And I definitely need understanding on how to raise my daughter. I need understanding on how to fix my car. I need understanding on how to do my taxes. I need understanding on what the Scripture says, what the Bible says. I need understanding. And it says here, may the Lord God give you understanding in all things. God can speak to us through His Word, and we can use His Word as an understanding tool. Two more, and I'm finishing up. Another tool of the Word is the restraint tool. Yikes, yikes, yikes. The restraint tool. Something we all need to live and learn through. 
Verse 101 says, I have restrained my feet from every evil way that I may keep your word. Verse 102 says, I have not departed from your judgments, for you yourself have taught me. A restraint tool. Boy, do I need that. Boy, do we all need that. Boy, does the world need a little bit of the restraint tool of the Word of God. That the Holy Spirit is inside of us. He is our helper. He is our comforter. He will lead us and guide us into all truth. It's happened to me many of times. I know it's probably happened to you. If you have a spouse and you've been in a disagreement with them, and for some, somehow, some way, at least in my, my marriage, when me and my wife are having a disagreement, mainly because it's probably my fault, and that perfect thing pops in your head to say, whoo, it's like she just throws that softball up, and I'm ready to hit that home run right at her. And I'd like to say 100% of the time, I show restraint. But sometimes, man, that zinger is just too good, and you let it go, and you just watch it. It's like you can watch that word travel out of your mouth and right into her heart. And I say, at what cost did that accomplish anything? I see that it hurt her. I see that it accomplished what I wanted to do, but it didn't accomplish anything in our marriage. I should have shown restraint. We've talked about it before as I have worked and walked through my anger issues in my life, and when you hit your head on something, when you do something that's frustrating, and the first thing you want to do is be like Jesus in my mind and go flip some tables over, but I know that doesn't apply in my situation, in my anger, that his word is what helps me bring some restraint that I'd be quick to listen, slow to wrath. Psalms 19, verses 9 through 11. How can a young man or a young woman cleanse his ways? By taking heed according to your word. Verse 10. With my whole heart I have sought you. Oh, let me not wander from your commandments. Verse 11. We've heard this scripture before if you've been in kids' church. Let your word, your word have I hidden in my heart that I might not sin against you. So one, we've got to put his word inside of us. We've got to hide it inside of us so when something happens in our lives, our first thought is that restraint. Our first thought is in how can I pay them back? How can I say this? How can I repay evil for evil? Whoa, whoa, whoa. The scripture says don't repay evil for evil. Your word have I hidden in my heart that I might not sin. If you have a sinning problem in your life, then get the word inside of you. And that restraint tool will reveal itself. The Lord doesn't tempt you, and He's given you ways out, it says in 1 Corinthians. He's made a way that when temptation arises in your life, He's already made a way for it. And if you listen to His voice, and you listen to His word, He'll show you the way out. And all of a sudden, you'll stop sinning because of the restraint tool. Romans 6, verse 14 Be encouraged for this. If you have a sin problem, verse 14 says, For sin shall not have dominion over you. 
For you are not under law, but under grace. If you need the restraint tool in your life, stand on this word. If you're having a problem with sin, stand on this word right here. Sin shall not have dominion over me. Sin does not have dominion over me. I'm not under the law, I'm under grace. And where sin abounded, his grace much more abounded. A scripture that you can stand on. One word from God can change your life. And the last thing I have, I'm finishing with this, is the truth tool. 103 and 104, how sweet are your words to my taste, sweeter than honey to my mouth. Through your precepts I get understanding, therefore I hate every false way. Because when I study his word, I find out very quickly what is false and what is a lie and what is not true in my life. I don't know about you, but there are some scriptures that I read that feel like a spotlight shining right upon me. And then I usually close my Bible and put it away and say, nope. How dare you talk to me and point your finger. When we read that Bible, when we read his word, it's a truth tool. And that word will put a finger right on the situation that's happening in your life. You're struggling, you're doubting. You're having this issue, you're having this, that, this, that, and the other going on in your life. And the Word of God will put its finger right on there in a loving way because the Holy Spirit, when He brings correction, He brings it in a loving way. He doesn't do it out of anger. He doesn't do it to present and make a mockery out of you. Can you believe that Jeremiah did this? Holy Spirit's not up in heaven being like, God, can you believe this is your son? What an embarrassment. No, when he brings correction, it's to help us. It's to help us get on the path that we're supposed to be on. So we don't have to deal with the struggles of life. He brings truth. John chapter 1, in John chapter 1, verse 14. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Dropping all the way down to verse 14, it says, And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. And we beheld his glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father. Listen to this. The Word, the Word of God, Jesus, the Word that you have in your hand, that you're looking at on your phone right now, is full of. There's a lot of things out in the world that are full of something. But it says that the Word here is full of grace and truth. This book is full of it, full of grace and truth. And we can't, we can't have one or the other. We, we've got to have both. I can bring the truth to you, but I can bring it to you in a not-so-gracious manner. Truth is, you shouldn't do that, shouldn't do that, shouldn't do that. So why do you keep doing it? You're an embarrassment. Stop doing that. Well, it's the truth, but not really that much grace to it. We've got to have both, grace and truth. His word is a truth tool. We have to understand, I love the last part of verse 104. It says, therefore I hate every false way. When you start reading the Bible, when you get into his word, may his word be true and everything else a lie. Let everything else be false. 
So if you go to the doctor and the doctor gives you that report, the scripture says, whose report are you going to believe? But as for me, I'm going to believe the report of the Lord. Yeah, they might say that there's sickness in my body. They might say this or this about my health issues. But my Bible, the truth is the Bible says I'm healed. I might like look at my finances. I might look at the credit card bills. The debt might be, the debtors might be calling to collect. The scripture says that I'm prosperous. It says that he became poor so that through his poverty we might become rich. That he's going to meet my needs according to his riches and glory. That whatever's going on in your life, in the natural it might look like it's real true in your face and happening. But the scripture says, now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. So even what we see in the natural doesn't always mean it's true. His word is true and everything else is a lie. And I'll believe his word until my dying breath. Because I know his word says to be absent from my body is to be present with the Lord. And as soon as I take my last breath here on earth, I still win. I still win and I wake up and I see my grandfather, I see my sister, I see my pastor, I see those men and women who have gone before me, your friends and family as well. I still win. The truth is he that the sun sets free is free indeed. You might be bound today, but that's a lie. You're free. The last scripture I have, John chapter 8 verses 31 and 32 Jesus is speaking, and I just quoted it. Then Jesus said to those Jews who believed him, If you abide in my word, you are my disciples indeed, and you shall know the truth. Well, how are you going to know the truth? Well, it goes back to the previous scripture, by abiding in his word. How are you going to know the truth? Well, I've got to abide in his word, and if I abide in his word, then I know the truth, and that truth is going to make you free. If you need freedom in your life, get in his word. One word, one scripture can change your life. In one set of scriptures, five, six verses in Psalms 119, we see the benefits of the Swiss Army knife of the Word of God. Number one, it can be a love tool. If you want to fall in love with God more, read His Word. Read His love story to you and to the earth and to humanity. Number two, it's a wisdom tool. It'll help you give you, it will give you wisdom even over your enemies and everything that you do that God will provide the wisdom for you to overcome. Number three, it'll be an understanding tool to you that you can have understanding from his word over anything else. That your prayer in your life is that the Lord gives you understanding in all things. If you don't understand it, you can go to his word and ask for understanding and he'll give it. Number four, it's a restraint tool. By studying the word of God, it can restrain you. It can save you a lot of heartache. It can save you a lot of, I'm sorry, I shouldn't have said, I didn't mean it. It was an act. It's a restraint tool. It can hold you hold you back from doing the things that you know you shouldn't do. And lastly, it's a truth tool. This word is full of grace and truth. It's full of it. It's ready. Everything else is a lie, but his word is truth. Use this as a tool. As you go into this week, read the Bible. I encourage you, read the Bible. Read it 
and find a scripture that you can stand on for something in your life and watch it change for your future. Let's stand up as we get ready to go out today. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you that your word is a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path. We thank you that we can read your word and fall more in love with you. We thank you that you can, we can read your word and we can gain more wisdom. We can read your word and gain more understanding. We can read your word and be taught how to have restraint. We can read your word and your truth can be revealed in our situation. Father, I thank you that your word, it says that your word will not return void. But what is planted in our spirits and in our hearts today, your scriptures that were spoken today, will raise our faith levels. And that it will bear fruit, some 30, some 60, even 100 fold. Father, you know the situations of these people in their lives. And Father, I ask you this week that as they read their word, that as they're doing whatever they're doing in life, listening to sermons, listening to podcasts, listening to the radio, listening to Christian music, that, that whatever avenue that they are listening, Father, that you speak a word to them. You point them to a scripture in their life that can manifest and change their situation. Because, Father, we know that it's your word that can change our life. It's your word that can influence and help us in all situations. Father, I thank you for the people here. I thank you that your word right now says that they have the mind of Christ. Your word right now says that their body is healed by the stripes of Jesus. Your word right now says that they're the head and not the tail. They're above and not beneath. They're blessed in the city and blessed in the field. Your word right now says that everything they put their hands to must prosper. Your word right now says that they have the favor of God. It surrounds them like a shield and they have favor with God and with man. Your word right now says that they are sons and daughters. They are are a city set on a hill. They are the salt and light of their earth, and we refuse to be hidden. Your word right now says that our body is the temple of the Most High God. Therefore, the Holy Spirit resides inside of us, and His gifts flow freely among us so that everywhere we go, we are agents that diffuse the grace and the knowledge and the fragrance of Jesus Christ, like your word says. So, Father, use your people, bless your people, protect your people, and cause your face to shine on each and every person here. Be gracious to them and be peace in their situation. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. God bless you. We love you. We'll see you tomorrow night for prayer. We won't have women's Bible study, but we'll start it off next Tuesday. Y'all take care. God bless. Thank you for listening to Press Church Podcast. If you would like more information about us or are interested in giving to our ministry, you can click the link in our bio or visit presschurch.org. Don't forget to follow us on social media at Press Church SC and have a great week.